KBCS Music and Ideas. Seattle is home to a landmark case. The estate of Somi Domingo versus the Republic of the Philippines, a federal civil suit regarding the murder of two U.S. citizens. The result? The Ferdinand Marcos regime was convicted of a wrongful death action that revealed the involvement of Ferdinand Marcos as well as the Philippine and U.S. intelligence agencies in the planning, execution, and cover-up of the assassinations. On June 1, 1981, Shots were fired in the International Longshore and Warehouse Union, or ILWU, Local 37 offices in downtown Seattle's Pioneer Square. A man with gunshot wounds in his abdomen is found outside of the building. A paramedic arrives to help him soon after, and the victim manages to name his two killers before passing away at Harborview Medical Center a day later. Another person was found dead inside the Union Hall. These two men were labor activists, Selmi Domingo and Jean Viernes. The killers were found days later, but the story doesn't end there. This is Cindy Domingo, Selmi Domingo's sister. The murders happened in broad daylight down at Partner Square, and just based on who Selmi was as a leader in the community, that these were political assassinations. They weren't just common murders. Within 48 hours, we came up with a theory about who benefited from these murders. One of the people who, or governments that benefit from, was the Marcos regime. This is really a, like a David and Goliath story. You know, for many, many years, people didn't believe our theory. Why would the Philippine government ever want to go after Salmi and Jean. In fact, that was the Marcos's lawyer's defense, that Salmi and Jean were honest, hardworking trade unionists, but they were toiling in a little field, and here you're talking about the Marcos regime. Nobody ever thought that we would win this case. There are a lot of layers to this case. Cindy Domingo begins with some perspective of the history of Asian immigrants and labor on the West Coast, particularly in the canneries of Alaska. In the 1960s, you would probably find on the West Coast in particular, one out of five families that someone had been going to the canneries. Uh, historically, first it was the Chinese that went to the canneries. And then, as the Chinese Exclusion Act was implemented, it became the Japanese that went there. And then when they were excluded from immigration, then they brought in the Filipinos to work, not only at the canneries, but also in the agricultural fields. So it became part of the trek that immigrants, and in particular Asian immigrants, made along the West Coast so they would go work in the fields, both in California, but as well as the eastern Washington. And in between those, they would go and work at the canneries. So it's, it wasn't unusual that a farm worker would work in California, then come to Seattle, get dispatched to go work in the canneries, and then come back home and then go work in eastern Washington to pick crops. Salmi went to Alaska as a teenager at the age of about 17 and worked in the canneries a couple of times alongside my father. Through that experience, he and my brother Demetrio 
uh, became politicized in terms of the conditions that the Filipino elderly men, who we called Manongs, those men had worked in the canneries for several decades since their immigration in the 1920s and 30s. Gene Varanis came from eastern Washington, and he was really a rural man. Grew up on a farm. His dad was a small farmer and came from a very large family of, I think, like 11 or 12 children. So very different backgrounds Salmi and Gene had. And then came over to Seattle after he got involved also with the cannery workers' struggle. He went to Alaska, lied about his age. I think he was like 14 or 15 years old when he went to Alaska to work alongside his dad. And again, that was his road to becoming politicized, also working next to his dad and seeing how the Monongs were exploited and had lack of opportunities in the canneries. So Filipinos had been going to Alaska since early 1900s. And at a certain point, Filipinos became the dominant workforce in the canneries. But they were relegated to the lowest paying and the dirtiest jobs. So cleaning fish, cleaning the scales, cutting the heads off, cleaning the guts out of the fish were always the jobs that Filipinos were relegated to. There are other jobs in the canneries, and especially as time went on and canneries were rebuilt and modernized, jobs like quality control, even working on the fish boats, bringing in the fish, the salmon, working in the mechanical area, fixing the machines. Filipinos were never promoted nor encouraged to apply for those jobs. And so it was a racially stratified place of work. Many of the men, elderly, you know, as I said, had gone to work there for decades. Some of those old men worked there for four or five decades of their lives. So Salmi and Jean, as well as other young college-educated Filipino-Americans, as well as Pacific Islanders and other Asian-Americans, filed discrimination lawsuits against the canneries and brought lawsuits on behalf especially of those elderly men who had toiled in those canneries for a long time. One of the cases eventually went up to the Supreme Court, and Justice Blackmun stated the conditions that he had seen in the canneries in terms of the segregation, not only in terms of workforce, but housing and uh, eating facilities were reminiscent of conditions in the South with uh, the cotton fields and the ag agriculture down in the South. So those were the conditions that spurred Salmi and my brother Nemesho and other young young men who had worked in the canneries to file those discrimination lawsuits. Two of them were won. The case against the New England Fish Company, which I think Salmi was a part of, uh, and Nemesho, they, at that time in the 1970s, was the largest lawsuit won by a migratory workforce at that period of time. Domingo and Viernes were also leaders in the KDP, a national organization of Filipino Americans who worked on discrimination issues in the U.S. and was an organizing force to opposing the Ferdinand Marcos regime. At the same time, the Marcos dictatorship decreased worker wages, 
controlled the unions, banned strikes, and allowed the murder of labor activists, among many other issues. This is where things get tricky. Viernes and Domingo began bridging ties between the labor movement in the U.S. and the May 1st movement in the Philippines, an underground anti-Marcos movement. The background to this is really based in the work that they were doing with the canneries, as well as uh, ending martial law in the Philippines and to end the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos. At a certain point of time, Salmi and Jean went back into the Alaska Cannery Workers Union, which was Local 37, and at that time affiliated with the International Longshoremen Warehousemen's Union. They decided that they were going to use their positions in Alaska Cannery Workers Union to try to build support for the workers in the Philippines who were at that time essentially underground because the labor movement could not organize above ground because of the dictatorship of, of Ferdinand Marcos. The only union that had taken a position on the Philippines at that period of time was the United Farm Workers and Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez was invited by the Marcos regime to visit the Philippines and to form his views about the Philippines. Unfortunately, Chavez was wined and dined by Marcos's, and he came back with glowing reports about the Marcos government. And that essentially split the union, which was also co-led by some very well-known Filipino labor leaders who were involved in the union since back in the days of the Salinas lettuce strike. And so uh, Philip Veracruz, who was the vice president of the United Farm Workers, left that union as a result of that position that Chavez had taken around the Marcos regime. So when Salmi and Jean became leaders of the Alaska Cannery Workers and the ILWU, they saw an opportunity to bring other labor unions in to, to take a position and to weigh in about the Marcos regime. The ILWU uh, has been seen as the most radical labor union in all of the labor movement in the United States. And they have economic power. So they can take a position in their national union to not load and unload cargo, which they had done during the apartheid struggle as well as when Chile was under the Pinochet uh, regime. So Salmi and Jean were at a very dangerous crossroads, not only because the labor movement as a whole had not looked at the Philippines and what was happening there, nor had taken positions other than the United Farm Workers, but also because they could create economic turmoil for the regime as well as the United States. We just didn't realize how much impact they could have so Jean was sent to the Philippines, both you know, for personal reasons. He wanted to visit his family and visit the Philippines for the first time. But he also wanted for the organization and the labor movement to make those ties with progressive labor leaders in the Philippines, and in particular with the May 1st movement, which had been outlawed in the Philippines because of their uh, work with workers in the Philippines. And, known radical leaders of that May 1st movement. 
Tell me a little more about the May 1st movement. So the May 1st movement um, was a um, was the umbrella group of most of the labor unions in the Philippines. But it had been outlawed by the Marcos regime, and they were organizing underground. Many of its leaders had either been killed, imprisoned, um, and so even going there to, to meet with the May 1st leaders in, in the labor movement was, you know, a dangerous thing anyway. And Jean was going there uh, on the dates of May 1st, which is, you know, the International Workers' Day. And they have huge demonstrations in the Philippines on May 1st. So Jean not only met with the labor, labor leaders, but he also spoke at the May 1st rally and talked about uh, how the Alaska cannery workers and the ILWU wanted to build a relationship with the May 1st movement. So that was one month before Jean was killed. Jean also took with him uh, a letter from Felix Berto Olalia, who was the president of, May, of the May 1st movement in the Philippines, and went straight to the the International Convention of the ILWU, which was in Hawaii, and carried that letter and presented a resolution at the convention to send an, an ILWU investigating team to the Philippines. The resolution did not condemn the Marcos regime, but just said we should send an investigating team to the Philippines to investigate the labor conditions of the labor movement there. That resolution was hotly contested, but was passed finally when the union in Hawaii, which was predominantly at that time Filipino, um, when the president of that of the Hawaii local, Local 142, said we will vote for this resolution, and it passed. But that investigating team never was sent because that's uh, Jean Verdes and Salmi Domingo were murdered shortly after that convention. The tragic death of Jean Viernes and Selmi Domingo was brought to justice through the work of Cindy Domingo and others as part of the Committee for Justice for Domingo and Viernes. Domingo talks about the years following their assassination. You know, to make a long story short, as a result of the formation of the Committee for Justice for Domingo and Varanus, our ability to build a broad front uh, of supporters, not only locally but nationally, uh, we were able uh, in 1989, well, we were able to uh, have the hitmen convicted. We were able to further do our own investigation about who benefited from the murders and find bits and pieces of information through Freedom of Information Act, through what people would tell us, um, that in 1989 we were able to bring uh, the Marcoses to trial in federal court and win a case against the defendants, including the Marcoses, uh, winning a $23.5 million judgment against the Marcoses and other defendants for their roles in the assassination of Jean Baroness and Salmi. That was Cindy Domingo, sister of labor activist Selmi Domingo, who was murdered along with Jean Viernes in 1981.